Nope. Thank you, so. Um, would somebody we be willing to offer a prayer for us as a community and me as a preacher as we listen to God's word this morning? Thanks, Lena. Lord, we thank you for the word that you have given to us and the way that you bring us knowledge about who you are to our, our ears here in this 21st century. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us preachers of the word who are willing to hear what you have to say to them and then bring that message to us. So we lift up Chelsea to you this morning that uh, she might be able to uh, effectively tell us what you want us to hear this morning, that you would open our hearts to receive that message and our minds to think about it and how it applies to our lives. Mm -hmm. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So last week we uh, listened to the word from Leviticus 25 about the year of Jubilee in the sabbatical year that the land was meant to take uh, as prescribed by God for the people of Israel before they, as they were establishing what their life would be like in the promised land. And we considered how that Sabbath prince, those Sabbath principles of God that have been in place uh, throughout the story of the people of God, uh, they just couldn't do it, right? Because of greed, because of fear, because of lack of trust and belief that God was a God of security. And we're going to see today how that story continued in the life of the Israelites. Then we're going to consider how Sabbath principles were at work in the church in Corinth as they came together to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper together today. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get a sense of what it means and what the Spirit is saying to us here at Christ Community Church in the 21st century. Because we don't have the exact same situation as the Israelites. We don't have the exact same situation as the church in Corinth. But we are still the people of God. Human beings who suffer from the same problems of greed. The same problems of fear. The same problems of a lack of trust and belief that God is a God of security. So as we open God's word, we start in Amos chapter 8. And if you have a green Bible from the sanctuary corners of the room here, it's on page 664, I believe. Amos chapter 8, verses 4 to 7. And Amos uh, is a pretty depressing book for a number of its first chapters. Uh, Amos 8 in particular is a pretty depressing for the people of God. And for God as well, because God's not happy. Uh, pretty depressing picture. And Amos and God are talking together in this section that we're going to read. God is talking to Amos as, as his friend, as his close friend, not as, not necessarily as the one who will prophesy this word to the people, but as one who is listening to God express his feelings about what the people are up to and what God is seeing. And what we get in this picture is the reminder that God knows all and sees all and hears all of our thoughts and our things rumbling around in our minds. 
and this beautiful gift that he has given to us in Sabbath to rest, to cease, to feast and embrace, as Peter walked us through just a few weeks ago, is how he would prefer us to be spending this time together. Uh, so we're, we're not going to read the entire chapter. We're just going to read four verses that speak specifically about what's happening uh, with the Sabbath day here. So this is God talking to Amos, his friend. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the epa small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. This is the word of the Lord. So I've, I've preached this text once before here um, when we were doing a world hunger uh, justice uh, campaign. And so we've talked a few about a few of the images, but I think it wouldn't hurt us to go over some of them again to understand the picture of what God is describing and what he is seeing among his people. So he is describing his people who are gathered at the new moon festival and for Sabbath worship as a community two times where the people of God have been told that they need to cease from their activity in the marketplace of making money and their economic relationships to worship and rest with God. Kind of like what we do here on Sunday morning. So imagine that God is describing what happens when we are together here in worship. And God says, I see What's in your hearts and your minds? You're sitting in worship and you're making a list of the ways that you can cheat your customers Monday to Friday. You're sitting in worship and you're thinking about ways that you can stretch your dollar just a little farther so that you can gain just a little bit more of a profit. You're sitting in worship and you're making plans of who you're going to hire at a cutthroat rate buying people for silver and the price of a pair of sandals to work for you. So instead of being someone who is thinking about increasing the rest and the hope and the shalom of people who are in destitute situations, instead of thinking about how God has called you to give the land back to the people that it belonged to every every generation, you're making plans on how to make the gap between you and them grow even more. You may look like you are doing the right thing when it comes to Sabbath. You may look like you are resting. But inside you are restless. You are restless. Now I don't know what you guys are all thinking right now. Or at any time during the worship service. Unless it looks like you're sleeping, because I can hear you snoring. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I don't get to sit and listen to me preach on a regular basis. But even I, on the Sundays when I am not preaching, 
it is very difficult for me to not be thinking about other things besides what I am supposed to be listening to in this moment and ceasing the restlessness, stopping the work that I have been called to do in this community, thinking about what I might be preaching next week. And I can even look right when I'm doing that because I can be reading the Bible. (laughs) But I'm not living it right. I'm not ceasing. I'm not resting. Uh, you can ask me on Sunday morning, uh, what's about a song? Oh, wasn't that a perfect song? And I will tell you, I have no idea what we sang because I am thinking about the work that I have to do on this place right now. And I don't think that that's, that piece is not a sin because this is not my Sabbath, right? This is not my Sabbath. So I know the temptation. I know the temptation. I know the thought, oh, I got to stop. I got to drop off the kids at soccer and then while they're at soccer, hopefully he'll stay so I can go run and get the groceries, right? I know the temptation, the restlessness inside of us because we live in a society of restlessness. We live in a society that has told us to keep thinking of ways to make your life better. Keep buying products that will make your life better. Keep adding activities that will give you more joy and happiness and success. Keep keep coming up with new ideas on how to grow your business. Your minds, our minds are always running with these things. We have shorter attention spans. We got other things to do today. Other ways that we want to enjoy this life. God knows it all. God sees it all. And God is so sad that we still don't get what it means to just rest with him. To spend that time instead dreaming about delighting and then actually doing the delighting. To spend that time bringing joy to others so that they too can know Sabbath rest. Do you see how all these pieces get connected Because to me, greed and this fear of insecurity and this need to be in control, these are all Sabbath problems. These are all problems that we have because we cannot be with God and trust that what he has laid before us as his design, not only for our lives as individuals, but as our our lives as a community, might actually be what's best for this world. I don't think that we have the severity of what Amos and God are talking about here happening in our midst. We might. I don't know what your businesses are all like. I don't want to assume. But we have that restlessness inside of us. We have that pressure from the world around us. That quote from Eugene Peterson, which I don't expect you to remember from a couple of weeks ago, about how the allure the language, the practices of this world are so tempting. And when we start to be bent in their direction, we lose our orientation towards God. And that's the picture, actually, of what's happening in the church in Corinth. 
who has taken this feast that Jesus has given them to remember that they can even cease from trying to make their own salvation a reality, right? Who are, who are given this feast to remember that Jesus has paid the atoning sacrifice and that we are completely forgiven and free to live in thanksgiving to God, not only as individuals, but as a community. They have taken this feast, this meal of coming together as part of their Sabbath worship. It's not how we do it here, but um, early church and many churches still today celebrate the Lord's Supper every week as part of their Sabbath practice. The rhythm of remembering all that God has done, that he is trustworthy with his promises the rhythm of remembering the story of God and finding ourselves in it, the rhythm of remembering and reorienting our hearts to the work of Christ in our lives and for this world and knowing that we are sent forth as his reconcilers. That's what this meal's about. And yet the same fears, the same greed the same restlessness, the same bending towards the way of the world is what defines it in Corinth. And so to help you get the tone and hear the same kind of tone that we get in the Amos passage, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11 from the message, which is a modern translation or paraphrase, depending on your word choice, um, from Eugene Peterson. So just listen to these words and see if you can get the same sense that God had for when he was talking about the Israelites. This is, these are, this is Paul writing, inspired by God. Regarding this next item, I am not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. And then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. You come together and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. God says, I will remember your deeds. By the pride of Jacob, by the pride of the one whose story is all about creating for himself what God has promised or trying to create for himself what God has promised. By the pride of Jacob, which rules over you people instead of me ruling over you, I will not forget what you have done. This restlessness that I have offered you a remedy for this restlessness that I have said I will make you well from. This Sabbath, which is this beautiful gift of delight 
and joy and freedom and rest of stepping back from the system and saying, you don't own me, world. Jesus does. I can be different. I can have joy. I can have delight. And no, I don't have to work in your wheel because God is the ruler of heaven and earth. Jesus has freed me from being controlled, not just by my sins, but the powers and principalities of this world that seek to tell me that he is not my savior. I am my own savior. The restlessness to fit in, the restlessness that comes from a fear of being idle, and quiet, and alone with God. A restlessness of not knowing what God might say in that time, because Sabbath is for God's healing. So God has given us this meal to remember these Sabbath principles and to remember the work of Christ and all of his goodness all of God, the Father's love for this world that came down in Jesus so that we might rest, so that we might be free, so that we might delight in his presence and share his joy. Paul says, let me go over again with you exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instruction from the master himself and passed them on to you, the master who is Jesus. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. So as we prepare our hearts to receive these gifts of God, we're going to sing together a song that reminds us the centrality of what we are doing here